The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This hour of the Costa Report is brought to you by IBM. Big data at the speed of business. Welcome to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and thank you for joining me for another two hours of Straight Talk Radio. I want to take a moment to welcome members of our armed forces who are joining us over the Internet today, especially those of you who are serving our country abroad. Thank you for being with us again. In just a moment, former governor and senator of Nebraska and presidential candidate Mr. Bob Carey will be here to talk about the issues which are likely to affect the midterm elections. As of today, there are nine Senate seats, which are too close to call. Also, 17 House seats and 10 governorships, which could go either way. And I think we can all agree we have plenty of domestic and foreign controversy on the table. But before Mr. Carey joins us, as is my custom each week, let me tell you a little about his background. Joseph Robert Carey was born in Lincoln, Nebraska. He earned his degree in pharmacy from the University of Nebraska and shortly thereafter joined the Navy SEALs as an officer. Mr. Carey served in the Vietnam War and is the recipient of the Medal of Honor awarded to him for risking his life beyond the call of duty and being severely wounded from a grenade blast. Then for over a decade, Mr. Carey turned his attention to business, building and operating a chain of restaurants and fitness centers. In 1982, the opportunity to serve his nation came around again. Carey threw his hat in the ring for governor of Nebraska, a position he won and served through 1987. And from here, Carey went on to become senator of Nebraska for multiple terms. And you'll also recall that Mr. Carey was a popular Democratic presidential candidate in 1992. Despite retiring from his Senate seat, Kerry never got too far from Capitol Hill. He served on the 9-11 Commission, which investigated and provided recommendations to prevent future attacks. And he actively campaigned for James Webb of Virginia, Al Franken, and others. Mr. Carey served as the president of the New School in New York City, where he doubled enrollment and was responsible for a major expansion in the school's curriculum and faculty. And following the New School, he joined the Washington, D.C. consulting firm, the Carmen Group. It's my pleasure to welcome to the Costa Report a respected leader on the battlefield and in our nation's capital, Mr. Bob Carey. Thank you. Nice to be with you. Thank you for being with us today. We really appreciate you taking the time to uh, speak with us. And if it's if it's all right, uh, I'd like to open the program by taking a look at how the midterm elections are shaping up. So let's start with a big picture and then work our way through some of the issues which uh, may play a role in the results. Depending on which poll you believe, uh, almost 8 out of 10 Americans disapprove of the job Congress is doing. So in your view, what what's behind this disapproval, and, and how is that likely to affect these midterms? Well, uh, I mean, there's a lot of reasons that, uh, I mean, mostly it's that Congress has been struggling to get things done. Uh, just got its first budget last year. Uh, it has been struggling to get immigration reform. Uh, it's had difficulties, uh, you know, uh, on, on particularly on the controversial issues. So in, in my own view is it tends to reflect the divisions in the country more as much as the challenges that Congress faced. But the big forces in any midterm election is that the party that's in power, in this case it's a Democratic Party, will tend to lose seats. And I, I, so that's going to happen almost regardless of all other events. In this case, uh, the incumbent president is his approval rating is in the low 40s, and that will also negatively impact, uh, uh, I would say, Democratic candidates. That said, if you ask me how, how to guess it, I, I think it's you know it could be 50, 50, 51, 49 either way. I think it's apt to be a, a relatively close election. Although having been in these campaigns before, uh, I mean after Labor Day, things lots of things can happen. You never know what's going to happen, and 
you could get a rush of Democratic voters to the polls. You could get a rush of Republican voters to the polls. It's really very difficult to predict it. Mm -hmm. The last thing I'd say is that the Citizens United and the McCutcheon decision has increased the amount of money. I think the Koch brothers are committed to spend a quarter of a billion dollars on advertising both against candidates they don't like, and that's typically Democrats, and for Republican candidates that they do like. So it's a, that outside money has begun to dominate campaigns more than the candidates themselves. I actually heard the figure, and it was a startling figure, that Two billion with a B went into the last midterm elections. Uh, that that's a pretty shocking number. Uh, it is a big number. I mean, the presidential campaign. I think both uh, candidates together spent beyond two billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's and it's. I think it's going to continue to get worse. You're going to see more and more outside money. You're going to, what, what's happening is you'll see you're going to see states where. Uh, the two Senate candidates spent less, considerably less, than outside groups spent themselves on the campaign. It was trending that way before the the 2010 Citizens United decision and before the McCutcheon decision uh, this year. But it's uh, uh, this will unquestionably uh, increase the you know the size of outside money. It's going it, to it, it's going to further, I think, cause citizens to be discouraged, if not cynical, about whether or not their vote matters. So I take it from what you said that this is a case where the incumbents have a disadvantage. I would say it's a, it's they do have an, a disadvantage, although they always have an advantage in, in fundraising, and they always have an advantage just because they're the incumbent and have the capacity to cover uh, the state and or the congressional district. So you know, it's with, as an incumbent, uh, you're 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 particularly if you're an incumbent Democrat, but even Republican. Uh, incumbent Mitch McConnell's having trouble in Kentucky mm-hmm. uh, because as an incumbent you got to get you got you got to get things done. The voters are angry because nothing gets done, and oftentimes they get even angrier when you do something. You just saw it with John Boehner in the House trying to get trying to respond to this 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 problem on the border uh, created by a, a, a bill that passed unanimously in 2008 mm-hmm. and signed by President Bush, wildly popular at the time, uh, and it's created a problem. And uh, there's a bipartisan uh, uh, effort to try to solve it. But the extremely conservative Republicans in the House said to John Boehner, no. And it'll probably have an impact on John Boehner when he runs for uh, and he faces the voters in Ohio as well. So voters, we, we tend and I put myself now as a voter. Mm-hmm. We tend to, uh, uh, you know, we, we want Congress to get things done, but we want it to get done in a, in a perfect way. And what happens is, is so often in life, perfection becomes the enemy of the good. Yeah, well, according to the Gallup and Rasmussen polls, the president has a 54 to 55 percent approval rating, I guess. And that those were the latest numbers today. Um, the latest uh, poll by The Economist reveals that 63 percent of the people surveyed feel that the country is on the absolutely wrong track. Uh, but a lot of experts claim that the problems that we're struggling with today have been a, kind of a long time in the making, and they're also much more complex. So, um, you know, any Congress or any president would have a difficult go of it, wouldn't they? Uh, yes, I think that is absolutely true. First of all, the country, uh, in, in general terms, is in very good shape. I mean, we're we are a stable democracy. Uh, maybe the best way of uh, of seeing the kind of shape the country's in is that in 2013. American individual corporations and foundations gave away $413 billion. No other country, that's, that's larger than the GDP of 85% of the nations on earth. So Americans have a generosity, and that's just money. That's not the, the, the volunteer time that's given away. It's probably equal to that amount. Mm-hmm. So if you look at the community level and see what people are giving away both in time and money, uh, I mean, there's plenty of reasons, and I would cite that as one, to feel optimistic about uh, the nation. Uh, the, the accelerating forces of globalism create tremendous amounts of problems economically and politically. Uh, you and know, layers a, and layers of complexity. I mean, uh, you know, just, uh, we, you were just talking about the immigration uh, problem that we have. Right. You know, we seem to do one thing and then it sets in motion a ton of unintended consequences. Well, the immigration uh, issue that, that uh, I mean, the, it, 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 again, it's, it's, it's a great example of good news, bad news. Mm-hmm. Uh, people aren't immigrating to the United States of America by accident. They're coming here because they prefer to wherever it is that they were born and raised. Yes. Uh, so they're not saying there's something wrong with America. They're saying something right with America. 
uh, and that creates an, an immigration problem for us. Well, that's a good uh, point. The more people that yeah. want to come here, the more it's a validation that maybe our country is in good shape. There's, there's no document in greater demand in the world today than a U.S. visa. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a it, yes, I think it's a great it's, it's a great sign of strength. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that we don't have problems, but it's yes. It's, It's always good to find something to feel optimistic about. Well, we have to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to tackle some of the domestic and foreign issues which Americans are talking about. You're listening to the Costa Report. Scott Curatrolli at Curatrolli Cellars is with us today to tell us why it's important for winemakers to focus on and to perfect a small number of wines. You know, really, because we wanted to do sparkling wine and do something different, and that's such a laborious process in being able to deliver that, really focusing on just Chardonnay and just Pinot Noir and making four really distinct wines out of them, a Brut and a Brut Rosé in our sparkling package, and then a still wine Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. To find out more about Caraccioli Wines, visit us at www.caracciolicellars.com or stop by our tasting room in downtown Carmel, California. That's Caraccioli Cellars, C-A-R-A-C-C-I-O-L-I, Cellars, where you have to spell it to drink it. Amy Tobin, cookbook author and culinary expert. Strawberries, blueberries, blackberries, and raspberries. Dole has a bounty of berries ripe for the picking. Fresh berries are not only delicious, but some of the most powerful disease-fighting foods available. Researchers have found that berries have some of the highest antioxidant levels of any fresh fruits. So add a handful or two of your favorite berries to your next meal and enjoy their nutritional benefits and natural sweetness in all of your dishes, from salads to desserts and everything in between. For fresh tips and ideas from Dole's berry experts, visit berries.dole.com. And be sure to check out the pages of mouth-watering recipes. Whether it's a sweet and savory blueberry-cranberry chicken salad or a simple strawberry sorbet, Dole has the perfect berry to inspire your next berrylicious dish. Care from the Heart is a local family-owned business. Hello, my name is Jackie Tucker, owner of Care from the Heart. Our family has provided caregiving services in our community for over 18 years. Our doors are opened like an emergency room 24-7, We're a dedicated team of case managers and home care aides will serve you with respect and dignity. I'm Dr. Don Motika. I have been using Care from the Heart for my patients for many years. I'm very happy with Jackie and more importantly, I think that she does a great job in choosing people and coordinating the services well so that my patients get what they need when they need it. No complaints ever. When you or your loved one is in need of our care, please call area code 831-476-8316. Our website is carefromtheheart.net. That's .net. We are honored to serve you. These are real celebrities. These are their real stories. And only Jeff Gallopo and Good Morning Monterey Bay can bring them to you. Kendra Wilkinson, of course, is back in the news because her ex-football player husband uh, cheated on her with a transsexual model, apparently. <laughs> wow. But, uh, wow. That's not a good story for either <laughs> of those people. No. But <laughs> her former ex, Hugh Hefner, has reached out to her amid the cheating scandal, apparently. A, uh, bony, Wait, he's reached out with you. Yeah. <laughs> a bony hand is seen emanating from yeah, the... He's re- like, like the crypt people with a yes. neural claw just reached out for her. Mm-hmm. Apparently, amidst the Viagra and baby food spittle, there was... Kendra! No. Actually, he was heard initially crying out for Mitzi Gaynor until he was reminded nice. what decade he was in. That's our first Mitzi Gaynor reference. Well, very nice. Ever. Very nice. Celebrity Gossip with Jeff Gallopo every Thursday morning at 8.15 on Good Morning Monterey Bay and KSCO AM 1080.
Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and my guest today is former governor and senator of Nebraska, Mr. Bob Carey. And before the break, we were talking about the fact that one of the objective metrics we can use to determine how the United States is doing is the demand for visas to enter the country. And uh, this, in turn, has created a major immigration challenge for us. Uh, So let's talk about some of the issues that uh, will come up during the election. Uh, For instance, the the care of our nation's veterans. I I know this is an issue that's near and dear to your heart. Uh, You were one of the first to publicly call for Shinseki's resignation. And having been a wounded veteran who went through um, many years of rehabilitation yourself, when the stories of falsified medical records and these other problems emerged, um, was this poor leadership or was it a lack of necessary budgets and resources in your mind? Well, I think it's a combination of both things. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a failure to respond quickly to not just the evidence that was accumulating about Arizona, but in other parts of the country where veterans and their representatives were being in cases that that, that uh, the delays were just unacceptably long. And uh, it's, it's an awful lot easier when you're a government agency to kind of say, well, we're doing the best we can. Uh, in this case, the best you can wasn't anywhere near uh, good enough. So, um, And I, I do think it's a resource issue as well. So I, I, it's, a, it's a combination of the two. Made more difficult, by the way, uh, you know, you've got a uh, situation here where the the board of directors for the Veterans Administration has 535 people on it, a bit unruly to, to say the least, and they're all elected. And oftentimes, uh, if you ask if you ask uh, with a polygraph on them, uh, what's more important, your reelection or the Veterans Administration? They're apt to say their reelection. So it it it's an extremely difficult thing to try to operate uh, a claim system, a medical system. Uh, and there's lots of evidence they're doing a great job. They just didn't respond quickly enough to these challenges, these problems. Did, did you say that the board of directors is 535 members? Yeah, the Congress. It, it, this think is, about any, this anybody, is really, any, but, but, but that's unmanageable. I mean, it just just basic human studies of, of groups of people uh, and how they make decisions. Anything over nine is problematic. Yeah, well, this is a, a bit more than nine. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's, but it's it's why I think citizens need to have a little bit of sympathy for the difficulty of getting this done because it's true in all, in every one of our agencies. I mean, one of the hot issues right now is you know, whether or not the CIA was you know, doing things inappropriate to to the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence and what was the CIA doing during you know, it's. This is eighty-seven billion dollars worth of efforts, all of it classified. The public has no right to know what's going on. So there's no free and open press, no FOIA requests that get you access to information. The oversight uh, responsibilities of the Congress are exceptionally difficult, and uh, it it places an enormous burden, actually, upon the executive branch agencies that are trying to manage it because they're, they're getting pulled in multiple directions at once. Mm-hmm. Now, now a lot of experts that I speak to claim that uh, we seem to have problems with execution and implementation. And and so from this perspective, problems with the Affordable Care Act website start to look like unnecessary delays in treating veterans, which start to look like the inability to secure our borders in the South or to act in time to protect our embassy personnel abroad. I mean, when all is said and done, um, these don't look like political issues. They look like issues of inept execution. Well, yeah, they do. Although I would say, first of all, you're not talking to an expert. I don't. I'm not probably up to the same standards that you've got when you're trying to figure out what's going on. But but I think you're, you're an expert. Be, this is why I think you're an expert right. because you're a business person. And you have to implement and execute every single day. You've run chains of restaurants, fitness centers. Those are not easy to run, by the way, for people who have ever tried to run a restaurant. My gosh, you know, you got so many things going on all the time. But somehow, however, 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 it's also important to understand. I have made many inept decisions in running those restaurants. (laughs) It's just you don't know about it, Uh, and you know it's so. Well, that's nice of you to confess. (laughs) No, I just don't know. I don't know that any human being has ever lived their entire life without making an inept decision. It Mm. happens. Yeah, but I'm talking about execution, the ability to implement, to have an idea and carry it all the way through successful completion. But what I'm what I'm saying is, you know, let's let's take the 
the new uh, compromise legislation that, that Congressman Miller and, and, and Senator Sanders uh, just agreed to is have to become law, mm-hmm. right? So let's say there's a thousand things that they've got to do in order to be able to get this thing done. You, you, you have to have, you have to be in an environment where you allow mistakes to occur. Because if every mistake is cross-examined and examined and say, oh, that was inept, you shouldn't have done that. Right, and used by a weapon by the other side. That's right. Yeah. It, 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 it can actually make it harder because every, everybody then becomes risk-averse. They don't want to do anything. You're better off being accused of having done nothing than having done something that turns out to, to have been poor execution. So it's, it, I'm, I'm not trying to excuse government mistakes. I'm just trying to say that when, if you're doing the oversight or if you're actually in the game trying to figure out how to make it work, it can be very difficult if the external audience is expecting perfection. Uh, yes. Remember, the, the, the preamble of the Constitution says we're trying to create a more perfect union, not a perfect one. And, and you, know, you know, thank God our founders understood that. If it said our, our goal is to create a perfect union, we really would be in trouble. So let me ask you the $10 million question. I mean, it, for, as far as a leader's concerned, is it better to do nothing? Oh, it's never better to do nothing. Well, I, I well, mean, actually, from a risk actually, standpoint, if you if, actually, if that the... is, actually what I what I just said isn't true. There are times when, and this is really an important point, I think, in politics. The, the Senator Winback gets asked a question: What are you going to do about this problem? Mm-hmm. There are times when the answer is nothing. You got to let the problem solve itself. People will work it out. Maybe the government shouldn't be responding mm-hmm. to every single problem, trying to find a find trying to find a solution. Mm-hmm. Um, it, there, there are times when the answer probably ought to be, we're not going to do anything. Yeah, we're going to we're going to stay out of it and let it resolve itself. It, it, it will sort out. Let the wisdom of the masses uh, uh, go where it's going to go. Uh, on, you know, but when you've got an actual problem that you're trying to solve, will you agree that some action is required? Uh, I, I think the worst thing of all is to sit around and say, I'm not even going to try. Right. But I I do think that, and I agree with you, there are some times where you have to sit it out. I use my own children as an example, and sometimes they would get into some bickering. And, uh, you know, parents would rush in and I'd say, well, my kids need to learn to work that out. And if they don't work it out when they're kids, they're certainly not going to work it out when they're adults. They have to find a way to achieve peace with someone who is annoying them or disagreeing with them. Uh, and right. I and I figured that as parents, sometimes you need to just, you know, I mean, you can't let them go to blows with each other, but you, you have to let them try to work it out. And it's really annoying right. when you're all in a small car. Uh, right. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but but you yeah. do. And I, so I do understand that and I appreciate that. I think uh, you're right. Uh, we, we, we jump to conclusions a little too fast and we are very critical and we do want perfection. And unfortunately, when leaders sit things out, we think we, we're quick to accuse them of not leading because they're not taking right. action. We associate action I mean- with leadership. Right. So let me, let me just make, make a point in the discussion about veterans. I have been uh, off and on a patient of the Veterans Administration since 1969. Uh, uh, the, the taxpayers of America pay for my prosthetic limbs mm-hmm. for the last 40-some years. I have no complaints. None. Uh, now, uh, unfortunately, I, I have to interrupt you there. We have a hard break okay. we have to go to, but when okay. we come back, I'd like to pick it up right there. Um, okay. We'll be right okay. back with more from Bob Carey. You're listening to the Costa Report. The crisis in the Ukraine is the latest global conflict to pit the United States against Vladimir Putin's Russia. While the Cold War may have ended, U.S.-Russia diplomacy is here to stay. Understanding this volatile new era is not easy. For many years, experts have been trying to explain Russia's new leadership, but cracking the inner circle has remained elusive until now. The American Program Bureau represents some of the most knowledgeable and prominent Russian insiders who are available to speak to your organization. Experts such as Mikhail Gorbachev, former leader of the Soviet Union and master architect of modern-day Russia. Vladimir Posner, the dean of Russian journalism. Andrei Kosarev, the first foreign minister under Boris Yeltsin. And Pavel Palashenko, chief advisor for 25 years to Gorbachev, are available to speak at your next event. No Speakers Bureau offers greater insights into how Russia impacts our economy, our world, and our lives. To schedule these esteemed leaders for your next event, contact the American Program Bureau at 800-225-4575 or apbspeakers.com. Hello again, it's Charlie from The Garden Company, your locally owned garden center. 
It's the season to relax and entertain outdoors, and we have some great ideas for enhancing the visual experience for you and your guests. We have awesome glazed ceramic pots in a wide range of colors and sizes that are perfect for herbs, succulents, bedding plants, or dwarf citrus. Or create your own miniature dream landscape with our broad array of fairy garden accessories. Our art glass garden stakes provide glowing accents of aqua, yellow, orange, or red day and night with solar-powered LED lights. Of course, the Garden Company has a gorgeous selection of lush, blooming, hanging baskets and color bowls to add instant color to any deck, porch, or patio. Or add some stylized whimsy to your garden with our beautiful bird baths, benches, gazing globes, and garden art. Check out these ideas and more at the Garden Company Nursery and Gift Shop, 2218 Mission Street, across from Safeway on the west side of Santa Cruz. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thegardenco. Hi, registered pharmacist Ben Fuchs here. I've been studying healthy bodies for 35 years, and what I've got to tell you may shock and surprise you, but if you listen up, it may change your life. Keratin, the hard protein that gives hooves and horns and feathers and scales and claws their tough, solid quality, is a critical component of human skin as well. In fact, the surface of our skin is in effect coated with a super thin layer of the tough, rigid substance. Finger and toenails are largely composed of keratin, and it's the same stuff that gives hair its fiber-like, resilient quality. The skin is composed of multiple layers. Skin cells, which are technically called keratinocytes, are born in the bottom layer of the skin, and they gradually rise to the top, becoming more and more filled with keratin. By the time a skin cell has made it from the bottom layer to the top layer, it is essentially filled with this protein to the point where it is actually nothing more than a little speck of hard keratin. Sometimes skin cells will make too much keratin, and you can end up with little hard bumps called milia or keratoses. Excessive keratin can also clog pores and cause acne lesions to form. If you have those tiny little bumps on the skin or you're dealing with troublesome pimples, one of the most functional ways to deal with the problem is to stabilize keratin production by using topical vitamin A, especially retinoic acid. It may help to apply a little apple cider vinegar or 10% solution of glycolic acid directly on the skin on a daily basis and correcting fat malabsorption problems with supplemental digestive enzymes, probiotics, lecithin, and bile salts can help clear skin up too. Pharmacist Ben here urging you to go to kscohealth.com to order Beyond Tangy Tangerine, the Healthy Start Pack, and other nutritional supplements that I personally use and recommend. You can purchase these premium quality products at wholesale prices online at kscohealth.com. That's kscohealth.com. I'm the pharmacist that believes that staying healthy and strong is not only about medicine, it's about giving your body the raw materials it needs to do its work. Go to kscohealth.com. Make sure you check out the cool videos, too, at kscohealth.com. That's kscohealth.com. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and if you're just joining us, our guest today is Bob Carey. And Senator, I apologize for having to go to a commercial break, but we're on a hard clock here, so uh, please do finish the point that you were. That, please do. Finish well, the I just point. look. I, I yeah, I want to. Uh, the point that I was making is that I have I've been I was injured in 1969 and I've been a, a patient slash customer of the Veterans Administration for all those years. I don't have a single complaint. Uh, they've been courteous. They've been responsive. They've, you know, uh, I, I I have never had a bad experience with the VA. Mm-hmm. Um, and it must have know, broken your of... heart when you heard about the experiences that uh, fellow soldiers were having. Yes. It does, uh, and and I know that there there are real problems, and 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 they're they're out there. All I'm saying is that it it is important for us to acknowledge that there is a lot of successful execution going on by the men and women who are working in this agency. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are executing well, and one of the challenges that you always have in an organization is 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 morale. And if all they hear are stories about how the VA is doing a lousy job, it has a negative impact on their morale. Yes. Because I, I, I personally think that, that, that culture in any organization is the most important thing. And I, I just wanted to say that because it may be that you've got employees of the VA that need to get a little bit of a boost at the moment. Mm-hmm. And it's hard work. I mean, day in and day out, you're really dealing with very difficult, not just physical, physically difficult no, work, no, but no, emotional work. Yeah, no, it is. It, it, particularly from 
these wars, Iraq and Afghanistan, you've got a lot of traumatic brain injury. You have multiple tours that have produced a very high fraction of uh, post-traumatic stress and, and, and inclination to suicide and, 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 and drug abuse. I mean, it's, it's, and it's, it's not a, just it's the veterans, different... it's their families you're dealing with also. Well, yeah, I mean, I actually, that's how I would define a veteran. If you're, if you're the wife, husband, uh, son, daughter of, of somebody who's actually been in a combat theater, um, in my view, you're a veteran as well because you've, you're, you certainly have experienced uh, the, the war in a, in a different kind of way that mm-hmm. you've experienced it. Mm-hmm. Yes, very much so. Um, let's let's switch gears a little bit and turn our attention let's, to foreign let's policy. Do. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'd like to say a more cheerful topic, but I'm not. I don't. I don't yeah. know if it is more cheerful. You, you were known for uh, your work on intelligence when you were on the Hill, so uh, I'd like to know if you agree with our response to this latest outbreak between Israel and Hamas, and and also the situation in the Ukraine. Well, look, first of all, Hamas is a terrorist organization. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they don't recognize Israel's right to exist. Their objective is to destroy Israel as a nation-state. That makes it, to put it mildly, difficult to get an agreement uh, when they begin throwing rockets in at, at Israel. So I know that the images and the, and the Israeli responses produce a, a very high number of civilian casualties, and it, it's horrible to watch, uh, uh, you know, the... The, the destruction and the devastation to to Gaza, but it it you know you've got a situation uh, right now where uh, it's it's in a lot of ways completely different than what it was eight or nine years ago. Uh, countries that would normally uh, react immediately to support uh, Hamas is saying, you know, Egypt, Jordan, uh, uh, Saudi Arabia is saying These, this is a terrorist organization. They're mm-hmm. part of a radical Islamic movement that is a threat to us as well. And we understand why Israel's taken aggressive uh, actions uh, to make certain that this threat is eliminated. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a it's a much different situation, and we understand that situation a little bit because we were attacked on the on the 11th of September 2001 uh, by an Al Qaeda organization that uh, didn't say, "Oh, gee, we killed 3,000 civilians. We're really sorry about that." That was their goal. That was their objective. That was their mission. And their only regret was the plane came in high. And they, they were trying to knock down the World Trade Center. They wanted to kill everybody in the Pentagon. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, Americans got, uh, you know, a firsthand taste of this. Uh, and and I, I think as a consequence, appreciate the, uh, the difficulty of this battle. So you do agree um, with, with our response, the, the response the United States has had to this recent outbreak? Yeah, I don't think there's anything we can do to solve it. I mean, I think mm-hmm. we've got to continue to encourage... Uh, dialogue, Egypt and, and yeah. yeah, dialogue. But but it's dialogue with, with I believe, with Palestinian Authority, mm-hmm. uh, not a terrorist organization. Palestinian Authority recognizes Israel's right to exist. I'm sure they're mad as hell at Israel right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't like that what what they see going on in Gaza. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when they can sit down at the table, they recognize that across the table is a nation state. They may prefer that Israel never was created in 1948. They may say that we were angry about that. But we don't begin by saying we want to wipe Israel from the face of the earth, and as a consequence, you can negotiate. Is negotiate the United States the is the United yeah. States the appropriate mediator of that of that process? I don't think, uh, in, unless until the parties are ready to, to negotiate, it's exceptionally difficult for the United States to to, to be a mediator. My God, we're, 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 our our our, our presence matters. Our commitment to peace in the region matters. Our willingness to support, particularly those moderates that are trying to to maintain order in their in their nation states. Again, I mentioned Jordan. I mentioned Egypt. Mentioned uh, uh, you know uh, uh, even Iraq today. That's where where I think we do have an obligation to try to uh, create try to help uh, the Iraqis select a prime minister that will uh, restore the kind of non sectarian uh, nation state that that. That was the objective to begin with. So, uh, yeah, I think, but uh, but it's it's there's a limit to how much we can do. Mm-hmm. If people are going to you know go to war with each other and they're going to and, and I I think we're we may be looking at twenty to fifty years of sectarian violence between Shia and Sunni. That's a fourteen year fourteen hundred year old battle that's been going on, yes. and I don't think we can resolve that conflict. Mm-hmm. Now, how about the situation in the Ukraine? Would you agree with our response to this point? I do agree with the response, although, uh, look, I, I, the, the one criticism I have the president in each one of these incidents is the first thing he does is take ground forces off the table. 
Mm-hmm. And it may be that you never want to put ground forces in. Uh, but if you take them, the ground forces happen to be the most effective thing that we've got. And and if you take it off the table from the, begin, the beginning and say we're only going to use drones and special ops, it does tend to encourage people that, um, and I think it, I, in, in this case, I think it does encourage Russia. Yeah, I don't um, understand why we have to announce that. <laughs> why don't we just keep we that information to ourselves? Right. <laughs> Look, we... we and, 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 and this gets really hard for our leaders because yeah. the, 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 the public, American public doesn't want to go to war. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are times when, when you know, military action early can prevent a disaster down the road. I mean, the best example is the 1930s. Americans didn't want to go to – they were against getting involved in the European conflict until we were attacked at Pearl Harbor. Uh, and then the Germans declared war on us. Otherwise, we never would have gotten, gotten involved. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but yeah, we, we but against, we have a we history were, of being very reactive, and then when we try to preempt something like we did in Iraq, uh, then you know it, it backfires on us. I mean, we went into Iraq as a preemptive move, and uh, you know, there, it, it, just like you were saying that, uh, you know, if you try to fix something, uh, you can get criticized uh, just as much as d- taking no action. We just right. tend to well, wait until danger is upon our doorstep, and then we overreact. And we have a history but, of but, that. But, but we do. But, but what I'm saying is we also have a tendency because we're a democracy that when the conflict becomes unpopular, the, the leadership oftentimes wants to get out as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. Remember, this is – I don't remember it, uh, 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 1864. But in 1864, when Abraham Lincoln was running for re-election, he might have lost <laughs> were, it not for, were it not for Sherman uh, taking Atlanta. Uh, you know, the, the, because the, the 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 Union democracy was tired of the damn war. They wanted to get out of it, mm-hmm. and he said, "No, we, we you know we're, we we got to press on to victory." But it's easier to mass public support if you're responding to a threat which has already occurred. That's the only point I would make: is it's it's no, hard case, to uh, amass any support for a threat that may occur but has not yet. You know, that's always right, so, but, that always turns so, into a political debate. Okay, so 1864 is a bit too long of a reach. 1950 is not. Yes. When North Korea when North Korea rolled into South Korea, uh, 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 President Truman said, "We're going to respond." Uh, and he got he got he can run for dog catcher in 1952. The war had become a toy. <laughs> but you can't go to a 38. You can't go to a 38th parallel look south and say that effort wasn't worth it. That's right. Well, we have to take another scheduled break, but stay right where you are. We'll be back after these important messages from our sponsors. You're listening to the Costa Report. Did you know that every day we create 2.5 quintillion bytes of data? and that 90% of the data in the world today has been created in the last two years alone? This data comes from everywhere and it affects everyone. This data is big data. Big data is all data, and it's more than simply a matter of size. Big data represents an opportunity to uncover new insights, make your business more agile, and answer questions that were previously beyond your reach. IBM's big data platform uses sophisticated technologies and patented advanced analytics designed to complement your existing information infrastructure. The IBM Big Data platform allows you to get started quickly today and expand to address more complex problems tomorrow. It doesn't matter where you start, it matters that you start. Find out how IBM can help you turn big data into a competitive advantage by visiting ibm.com slash big data today. Every day our world gets more complicated. Not only is new information coming at us faster than we can manage, new regulations, technology, and the effects of globalization have made it much more difficult to succeed. That's why I wrote The Watchman's Rattle, a book that, for the first time, explains how complexity makes it hard to separate facts from fiction and eventually causes us to make important decisions based on unproven beliefs. And not just us, our leaders also fall prey to this phenomena. But here's the good news. Once you know the symptoms to watch for, you can safeguard against them. So please, go to RebeccaCosta.com. That's RebeccaCosta.com. And order your copy of The Watchman's Rattle. 
It only takes a few minutes and the shipping is free. That's RebeccaCosta.com. Do it now. You'll be glad you did. For the last few years, the Capitola Diner has been there. You might have seen it on 41st across from the mall. Well, a few years ago, the Capitola Diner was purchased by Pedro Salazar, and he has turned the place around. And he's done so in the place that matters most, the kitchen. Homemade salad dressing, tableside guacamole, and seafood delivered fresh from Stagneros. Where's Pedro right now? He's in the kitchen, taking pride in every dish that comes out. The Capitola Diner, it looks the same, feels the same, but it doesn't taste the same. Holy smokes, look at that. Folks, Michael Olson here. It is a beautiful day down here in Watsonville. I'm at Marty Frannich Ford Lincoln. And right here in front of me out on the lot is something new I've never seen before, and it is hot. Rocky, what is it? Michael, I'm excited to tell all the listeners that's the new Lincoln MKC. It's a new, smaller SUV with the Lincoln brand name on it, and it's got many, many class-exclusive features, such as an active shutter grill. It's got push-button shift. It has a foot-operated tailgate. It's just something people have to come down and see for themselves. It's got an amazing audio system also, by the way, and I think radio people love good audio systems. So it's a, a, it's a car you just have to see to appreciate. Uh, I like to remind people that we're the exclusive Lincoln dealer for Santa Cruz County now. We've got these new Lincoln MKCs, and they're priced right and ready to roll at Marty Frannish Ford Lincoln in Watsonville. Join me for It's a Question of Balance with Ruth Copland on Saturday evening, 8 till 10. My in-depth arts interview is with 18-year-old Antonique Crivella, a songwriter and recording artist who has used music to overcome her life challenges. We also ask questions that matter, focusing on the deeper issues underlying current events. Join me Saturday evening 8 to 10 on AM1080 or ksco.com live stream. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and our guest today is Governor and Senator of Nebraska, Bob Carey. So um, let me ask you about some of these other issues, like uh, the unanswered questions about Benghazi, the overreach by the IRS, the collection, earlier you mentioning the collection of metadata and other information by the NSA and CIA without warrants. And now we have this uh, very, very um, visible immigration issue. In your view, um, what do you think are going to be the hot buttons in the midterm elections? Well, I think you, you probably hit them all. Look, I think there's still a lot of economic anxiety that, that, that people worried about their jobs and their and their health care and their pensions, and so uh, and and I'd say worried about whether or not they're getting their money's worth with their taxes. Or, so I would say it have to be sort of bread and butter economic issues that'll dominate the midterm almost as it always does. I mean, we, we had a a big decline in the stock market today. We we've got good news in that we appear to be. Uh, enjoying pretty strong economic growth, but if something negative happens out there in the world and all of a sudden our economy starts to uh, contract again, that will be the number one issue. I, 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 I think it's almost always true in elections that international issues, unless we're actually at war, mm-hmm. and though we're still in Afghanistan and we still have significant threats around the world, uh, I still think it's like, likely to be domestic issues, economic issues, am I getting my money's worth for my taxes that will dominate the election, my school's working, uh, all that sort of stuff. Along those lines, how how is the economy in Nebraska? How's it doing? Well, it's just doing relatively well. I mean, the, the agriculture economy has been quite strong in the last four or five years. Probably commodity prices are down now. The cattle cattle prices are strong, and that's the you know that's the the foundation of the Nebraska economy. It's mm-hmm. you know it's it's only four or five percent of luxury living on farms, so and a quarter of the economy is dependent upon the you know, transportation, storage, processing of of, of food products. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. I I travel all throughout the country. Um, Literally every month I'm on a plane, you know, going into some small towns and then larger um, urban areas. Um, And I'm disturbed by the number of storefronts I see shut down, the small businesses shut down. I, I try to go down into Main Street and take a look, and there might be diners or uh, shoe repair stores. I mean, it's it, they're 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 closed. 
Well, those stores, I mean, those small businesses are operating on very small margins, and it doesn't take much in, in, in revenue changes to take you from, you know, a 4 or 5% profit to 4 or 5% loss, and mm-hmm. 4 or 5% loss, a bank's going to pull the loan. So it, it's not uncommon at all to see in, in areas, and you see it in Nebraska in some communities where the number of people on farms are declining, the, the, the purchasers are moving further away, Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes as a consequence of, of larger uh, store operations like Walmart, et cetera. Uh, and it, 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 it becomes harder to bring customers into your store. So, yeah, I, it, it, you, and I think it connects to what we're talking about, that people feel anxious about whether or not they're going to have their job. There's a lot less job security today than, you know, when I went in the military in 1965. People mm-hmm. uh, felt in 65, you go, you do your time, you come back, the job's still there, you work 40 years on the job, you got a pension, you got a health care for the rest of your life. Those, those days are basically over. Um, and it does, it does create a tremendous amount of economic anxiety and, yeah, it's and, just and frustration. It's unsettling. We've got 80 million yeah. uh, uh, American citizens who are baby boomers that are reaching retirement age. That's almost a third of our population. And, and we're not yeah. going into retirement feeling at ease. Like, you know, they used to call it the golden years. It doesn't feel like it's golden. It feels like fool's gold. Yeah, yes, it does. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it does. That's a that's yeah. a good way yeah. to put it. It feels like, you know, we put all that gold away and when we pulled it out, it was it was fool's gold after all. Um, you know, if there is a shift, let's say there's a shift toward a Republican majority in the House and Senate and in governorships across the country, is that in your view going to do much to alleviate the gridlock that we have? Well, I look, I I it depends on what the issue is. If you're asking about comprehensive immigration reform, which I support, I think you've got to do something in a comprehensive way to clear this problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, by the way, think the fact that people want to come to the United States and live good news, it's been the strength of our country. Yes. Uh, we have to have a lot of people who are illegally, and we've got to figure out how to resolve that problem. And I, I, I think the problem that you have as a Republican is that you're in a primary. you got to move to the right, and, you know, I'm going to ship them all back to Mexico or Central America, wherever they came from, and that's an impossibility. So I, I don't know if it's going to – my guess is it's, it's less likely you're going to get immigration reform you know, if that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, so there, there, and there, there, are, there are some issues, that were some of what we were talking about before, international issues, where there really isn't an answer. Mm-hmm. Um, you you might uh, you, you know you might get uh, better action on 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 budget deficits and and particularly the long term problems that we have with entitlement. Maybe you get a, a better movement there, but the problem is in in in, in primaries, Democratic primaries, uh, the more liberal people tend to show up for Democratic primaries, and same thing happens on the Republican side. And California is the only state that's actually reformed both of the way that congressional districts are done as well as how. People are selected in primaries. If every state did it like California, both in the selection of, uh, of congressional districts and 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 uh, the, the primary system, if every, if all states would adopt the California system, I think it's more likely, regardless of who the party in power is in the Congress, it's more apt that they're going to be able to resolve those conflicts. Yes, I, I agree. Yeah. That That's something that needed yeah. to be done, but it wasn't done easily here in California. I'm broadcasting from California, and I will tell you that. And that, I know you are. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, that did not happen uh, easily. Now, uh, before we let you go, how can listeners keep in touch with you? Do you have a website or a way they can keep track of uh, what you're working on? Oh, my God, you're asking me. No, I'm a I, private sex person, but I've got an email address. It's just bob.carry at gmail.com. Okay, and so I'm working on a, Actually, I'm working on a project called the Minerva Project in San Francisco where we're creating a university from scratch, so uh, I can be reached through the Minerva Project. The Minerva Project. And and can you right. give that email address again? Because I know you're going to get bombarded by emails of people saying, yes, uh, why, why uh, aren't you back in, in uh, on on the hill again? That's what's what you're going to get. I'm just warning you. I know my listeners, and they've been emailing me all week in anticipation of hearing from you today. It's it's uh, it's just bob.carey, K-E-R-R-E-Y at gmail.com. Okay. Well, unfortunately, we are all out of time. But uh, before we say goodbye today, I'd like to thank you for your candor and also for your service to our country. Thank you, Mr. Well, you're Curry. very nice. Nice talking to you. Bye, hope, Rebecca. Bye-bye. I hope you'll come back soon. If your station is leaving us after this first hour and you have a question or a comment to make about our interview with Bob Carey, 
Uh, you can email me at RebeccaCosta.com or drop me a note on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and let me know how you see the upcoming midterm elections. Recent polls indicate that almost 8 out of 10 Americans disapprove of the job that Congress is doing, and I, I wonder if that's going to give uh, incumbents a disadvantage. What do you think? And by the way, if you missed the full interview with Bob Carey today or any of our other guests, remember you can download previous episodes of the Costa Report from our website, Apple iTunes, Podbean, and our YouTube channel. And while you're at our website, please take a moment to order your copy of The Watchman's Rattle. If you're wondering whether there's a connection between complexity and our ability to lead, well, this is the one book that shows how every great civilization eventually reaches a point when the complexity of their systems, their regulations, laws, and the problems they face become unmanageable. It happened to the Mayans, the Romans, the Khmer, Ming, the Egyptian empires, and, and it's happening to us today. Think of every collapse in human history as a reversal to simpler systems which we can understand and we can manage. And once you understand that pattern, then you know what to look for. So get your copy of The Watchman's Rattle today. All you do is just click on the image of the book on our website at RebeccaCostaMyName.com. And it'll take you right over over to a page where you can uh, tell us what customized inscription you'd like. makes a great gift. And, and you can get dedications if you're giving the book as a gift. So, so do it now. Get your copy of The Watchman's Rattle. A hundred percent of the proceeds from the book go toward keeping the Costa Report on the air. So you not only get an enlightening book, but you also support excellent broadcasting, the kind of broadcasting that you heard today. And I have to say, and just as an additional note, since I have, I think, an extra 10 seconds here, don't I, Sam? I'm looking over at Sam and he's saying, yes, you do. Go ahead. (laughs) I just have to say, I really enjoyed that interview with Bob Carey. He is one of those fellows that uh, has never been afraid to cross the aisle either way if he thought that a program was logical, rational, and was good for the American people. And those leaders, as you know, are rare and hard to come by. My guest next week is former Secretary of the Interior in the Obama administration, Ken Salazar, who has become an unexpected advocate for building the Keystone Pipeline. Is there a way to turn the pipeline into a win for the environment? Find out when Ken Salazar joins us next week on the only news program which puts policy ahead of politics. Now stay tuned for another hour of Straight Talk Radio. You're listening to the Costa Report. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.